We've been for some weeks on this subject we're calling separated. So go with me again to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, down about verse 14, and uh, I'm sensing that we're nearing the completion of this series as well. We'll see. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, let's read this down through chapter 7, verse 1. He said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Unbelievers. Now you'll find that he, uh, he mentions several other names, but it all comes back to the same thing. Believers, unbelievers. What is an unbeliever? Based on these kind of scriptures. An unbeliever is someone who does not believe in Jesus as the Savior, as the head of the church. And many go as far as saying they don't believe in God at all. Well, this is a problem when it comes to us being linked together and doing things that require close communion. Because somebody who doesn't even believe in God, we're not on the same wavelength with them. We don't think like them. Not, not just during church time. Right? Now people will try to say, well, you just need to keep your religion to yourself. Everybody just needs to keep their religion to their self. If you can, you don't have any. If your beliefs are adjustable, malleable, you don't have any beliefs. And that's where a lot of folks are. They, they have a mental position doctrinally. But the truth is, as far as beliefs that govern their life, a belief, according to the scripture, is a conviction. You are persuaded. Like Abraham, fully persuaded. There's no ifs, ands, buts, maybes, we'll see. If you're still there... You don't have a belief. You got a theory. You're wondering. You're not convinced. So, no, you don't have to go around trying to preach to everybody or shove something down their throat that they don't want to hear. You shouldn't do that either. But you can't tell me to leave my Jesus at home because I don't leave home without him. <laughs> right? I mean, I can't. He lives in me, right? I'm in him. He that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. It's not like a switch that we turn off. <laughs> Even if I don't say anything about him, he, he's intertwined with my breath and my thoughts. He that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And if that's not the way you are, you're either not even born again, or you're way backslid. Because if you walk with God in any degree, that's the way it is. And if you don't believe in God, unbeliever, what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? The unbeliever is called unrighteousness, the believer is called righteousness. 
What communion has light with darkness? The believers call light. The unbelievers call darkness. What's the answer to these questions? None. What do we have in common? What does light have in common with darkness? You have that same commonality with unbelievers as light and darkness. What concord has Christ with Belial? A name for the devil. What's the answer? Help me out, saints. None. What part has he that believes with an infidel? None. Atheist, we could say, too. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. For you are the temple of the living God. Come on, everybody, say it out loud. I am. am. We are are. the temple temple. of the living God. What does that mean? He lives in us. The living God lives in me. Come on, say it out loud. The living God lives in me. In me. How much can I hide that? (laughs) As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Them what? Unbelievers that are called unrighteous, dark. Belial, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Is this the word from the Lord Almighty? Come out from among them and be separate. We might say from them. Keep reading. Having therefore these promises. That he is our God. That he lives in us. That he walks and communes with us. Having these promises dearly beloved. Let us. Cleanse ourselves. From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness. In the fear or reverence of God. Now, can we cleanse ourselves? (laughs) So your initial response to that is no, but this just told you to. So how do we understand that? Only the blood of the Lamb can cleanse you and wash you from your sins. Right? But even after you're born again, you can put yourself back into the spiritual filth That you were once delivered from. And yes Jesus has already paid the price. For that sin too. But you must receive your forgiveness and cleansing. So that your own heart won't condemn you. For violating light. But if you don't control yourself. You can go jump back into the ditch. Or the garbage pile. Or the sewer. Again. And who's going to keep you out. Of the mud and muck. God is not going to control you. Did you hear me? This is where us. Cleansing ourselves. From all filthiness of the flesh. And spirit comes in. 
we got to make the decision to quit jumping in the ditch. And nobody's going to do that for us. And God, he will help us if we decide to stay out of the ditch. But help is not doing it for you. It's assisting. Many times people have prayed this, oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, please help me. Help me, help me. But what they really mean is do it for me. If I said, guys, you know, four or five of you guys come help me move this piano. And so they get up and start to the stage and I go sit down. <laughs> I didn't say it right, did I? Help me means I'm going to do something. I go up there, I put my strength against it and you're going to help with me. And did you notice the Holy Spirit is not called the do it for you. Spirit. What's he called? Come on. He is the helper. Well, that means you're going to do something. He's going to help you with what you're doing. Can you see it? You got to give him something to help. And so uh, it's up to us. Even though we got born again, our flesh didn't get born again. You got the same flesh, same body, same appetites and tendencies of a person who did not get born again. And your body will do anything you let it do. Do you know this or not? Your body will do anything that Joe or Susie Sinner's body is doing if you let it. But we shouldn't because our body is the holy temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe it or not? And we should keep ourselves out of the nasty, out of the filth. What did he say? Don't touch the unclean. Be separate. Come out. It's not about acting holier than thou are better than someone else. And this is where a lot of people have gotten off, not just recently, but in for many generations. When you start talking about holiness, which is separation from evil and separation to God and good, this is not about telling other people how they should live. This is not about you telling other people how you should live. This is about us not allowing ourselves to be conformed. No matter how much pressure is brought to bear, you know, if somebody says, well, I I don't see anything wrong with doing this or that. Well, yeah, but our conscience is the big thing. Right? And him that knows to do good and, and doesn't do it, it's sin. And whatever's not of faith, the Bible said, is sin. If it bothers me, it doesn't matter who else does it. I must not override my conscience. That's the big deal. And so no matter who says it's okay or who's doing it or how much pressure is brought to bear, my job is not to straighten everybody else out. My job is not to allow myself to be conformed. Didn't the scripture say in Romans 12, don't be conformed. To this world. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look in 1 John, the second chapter, please. 1 John 2 and 15. 1 John 2, 15. He said, love not the world. The understood subject is you. You are not to love the world. Now, that's not the earth. It's the ungodly, worldly. In fact, worldly and ungodly are the same. And that's why, you know, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 reveals to us that Satan is the acting God of this world. Not our God and Father. That's why when people try to say, you know, God is in control. See, they're implying that everything on the planet is, you know, God's mysterious control. That's simply not true. I said it's not true. And that's why the push is to take God out of everything. Who could be behind that? Take God out of this. Take, you can't mention God. Can't mention Jesus. Can't, can't pray. You can't mention the Bible. Has, is there a move on? And has there been a move on? Oh yeah. And, and it's actually gained way too much ground and success in our own country. But it's because of Satan being the God of this world. And that's the ungodly, no God, not like God. That's what worldly is. That's what he's talking about. So we should not love the ungodly world. Neither the things that are in the ungodly world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we love this ungodly world system and world junk... It reveals we don't love God because if you love God, this is so contradictory, opposite to him, you couldn't love both. And this is not just about rules, it's about heart. What do you love? Who do you love? How many understand you can't love lying and be close to God? You can't love hurting people and taking things away from people. You can't love that, uh, you know, not care who gets hurt as long as I get what I want. You, you can't love that. You can't love, you know, rising to prominence by stepping on people along the way, leaving a trail of carnage as long as you reach your apex is, is that the world or are we talking about the world? You can't love that and love God. Don't love the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. If anybody loves the, the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Keep going. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. One translation says the showiness of life. Being a show off. 
ostentatious, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world, what's happening with it? Is quickly passing away, and all the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Why don't you just say it by faith? I love God, and I love God's things, and his people, and his plan, and his ways, and his word, and his spirit. I love God. I don't love the world. I don't love the things in the world. Well, see, if Satan is the God of this world, you'd be loving some of his stuff. You'd be loving some of Satan's stuff. Now, with that in mind, go to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter, I'm going to read just a sampling of verses in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Because these two, uh, these two books, these two little short books, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, deal with this subject all through. But I won't take time to read both books. But you'll see just as a sampling of this what I'm talking about. In 1 Peter 1 and 14, 1 Peter 1 14 says, As obedient children... 1 Peter 1.14, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Now let's stop here. Most everyone has some B.C. experience <laughs> before Christ. Huh? Even if you got born again as a child. Many people, sadly, they responded to an altar call or they prayed a prayer, but they weren't in the right environment to get fed and grow up, so they just kind of slid back into the world. Even though they're born again, they're acting and living like the world, ungodly. And some didn't get saved until later in life, and so they got a whole lot of B.C., before Christ, life. And that's what he's saying. Don't fashion yourself. Now that's the same as conform. Same ideas, don't conform yourself. According to the former lust in your ignorance. You were ignorant B.C. But now, after Christ, you're not ignorant. And if you go back to the junk, you're just dumb. Not ignorant, just dumb. There's a difference. <laughs> Ignorant doesn't know any better. Dumb should know better, does know better. Just making a dumb decision. And most everybody's done that too. But, but as he which is called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. That, that word conversation means way of life, manner of life. Verse 16, because it's written, be ye holy for I am holy. We don't fit in all the junk the ungodly world is doing. We've been delivered out of the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. 
All that junk, that ungodly, unlike God stuff, Godless, God removed stuff. That's not for us. I said that's not for us. And whatever stuff, ungodly stuff we were involved in before Christ is no longer for us. Maybe we did it one time, maybe we were there, but no more. Be ye holy, he said, for I am holy. Skip down to the second chapter, 1 Peter 2 and 11. He said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. All manner of ungodly temptation is from the enemy and it's pulling on your unregenerate flesh and your unrenewed mind. But it's not just so that if you fall, so the enemy can laugh and say, goody, goody, see there, I got you. No, it's designed to thwart the plan of God. To keep you and I from being what we're supposed to be and doing what we're supposed to do and influencing others with the light and for God. You know, the devil has a perfect will for your life. And it was to serve him completely and die and go to hell and spend eternity with him. Anybody saved in here? Then you have missed the perfect will of the devil. (laughs) Are you glad about that or not? You've missed the devil's perfect will. Well, if he can't get you to do that, he has a back position, an acceptable plan and will, and that is for you to go to heaven. If you're going, go now. (laughs) He wants you out of here. If you're not going to serve him, he does not want you influencing anybody else for the Lord or for light. So he wants you gone. But he's not our Lord. He's not our boss. We don't have to listen to one thing He says to us, we got a new and wonderful Lord. And so the, you know, something I really like is when the the enemy, it was his hour, the Bible said, of darkness. When he came and they took Jesus and that mock trial and they crucified him, that was the devil's hour. That was the power of darkness. That was his highlight, his heyday. He's already peaked way back then. (laughs) And it didn't work. (laughs) But when he came, remember what Jesus said? He said, this is his hour, but he has nothing in me. Don't you like that? He has nothing in me. And that's how it should be with us, that the devil has nothing, no hook in us, no place in us. Didn't the Bible say neither give place to the devil? Keep reading. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. It's not just pulling on your flesh, it's warring against your soul. 
having your conversation, the way of life honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Skip to the fourth chapter, verse 1. He said, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now this is not talking about suffering being sick. If you read the whole passage, he's talking about, you know, suffering, having to submit, suffering, not getting your way, suffering, putting your flesh under, resisting. You know, that's when Jesus sweat blood. Blood came out, blood and water came out of his pores in the garden. What was that about? He was resisting temptation. Hebrews 12 talks about that. You can hear it in his prayer. What did he pray? Father, all things are possible with you. And if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What's he being tempted? Not to go through with it. Can you see that? And not just a little passing thought. There's so much pressure coming on him. Most people would have just said, I ain't doing it. Right? And got out from under the pressure. But he wouldn't yield to the temptation and pressure. And he kept getting greater and greater. Until his resistance got to the point where blood and water is coming out of his pores. While he's praying. Is he your hero? He's my hero. Oh. Hallelujah. And he didn't do it as God. He did it as a man. Proving it could be done as a man. Showing us how to do it. But what did he do? He came back and said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So did he suffer in the flesh? That's what that, some of what that describes. Verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of the time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. If you resist these biggest temptations, these other little ones ain't much bother to you anymore. You get to a place where you're not as easily tripped as a lot of people are. When you've been through a big storm, when the wind blows a little bit, that don't bother you. Right. Is that, you're like, yeah. well, this ain't a storm. I've yeah. been in a storm. <laughs> Keep reading. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness. Now that means no control. No restraint. Just do any and everything that strikes you. Lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. These are in the ditch partying. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot. Speaking evil of you. Especially when people get saved. They used to do that. They're like, what happened to you? You used to, be, you used to party with the best of us. What changed? What's wrong? <laughs> Why don't you want to go? Why don't you want to do it anymore? Because you are now the temple of the living God. Come on, is that right? <laughs> Skip down to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1 and 3. 
It says, according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that's called us to glory and virtue. He's not called us to uncleanness and dishonorable things. He's called us to glory and cleanness and purity and virtue. Keep reading verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature is holy. Y'all with me, friend? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What, What gives us the power to do that? We've got better promises, right, than getting drunk, getting high, sleeping around, next day feeling crazy and terrible and destroying your relationships and destroyed your car and lost your money and destroying your body. That ain't as much fun as the enemy makes it out to be. He don't show you the other side. He shows you Friday night. He don't show you Saturday morning. <laughs> Y'all laughing like that BC. You you. BC means been there. <laughs> Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust, keep reading. Well, for time's sake, don't let me let me skip down. The Bible talks about. In Hebrews 12, being made partakers of his holiness. And these exceeding great and precious promises gives us something higher, something better than a temporary physical, emotional high of wallowing in the filth of this world. Y'all believe it or not, saints? Look in 2 Peter, the second chapter, and uh, let's see, about the sixth verse. It said that the Lord turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. One of the words for Sodom actually means scorched. And it is a perennial, generation to generation example of of those who angered God through their extreme sin and corruption. That's why he did what he did to make it an example. Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example, like we were just saying, to those that should after live what? Ungodly, or that's the same as worldly. And delivered just Lot. Now, Lot was Abraham's nephew, his brother's boy. So, Abraham was uncle to Lot. And you know the story, when they left where they grew up, Lot went with Abraham when God told him, Abraham, to leave and go to a place where I'll show you. And over the years, Lot became a very wealthy man because of Abraham. We've been talking Friday nights about the blessing of Abraham, right? 
which we have. And uh, Abram became, the Bible said, very rich in silver and gold and flocks and herds. And apparently he staked Lot with some starter money or starter cows or goats. And then when he made a trade and deal, Lot was smart enough to get in on it. Or maybe through Abram's encouragement, I don't know. But over a period of years, Lot is a very rich man. Maybe not rich as Abraham, but he's pretty close. And uh, the scripture tells us that their flocks were so big that there wasn't enough pasture land for all of them and enough water for all of them to be taken care of. And so Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen got into some strife because of the shortness of resources. And Abraham wasn't going to have that. He went to Lot. He said there's strife between basically our employees. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. We, we cannot have that. You know, real people of God won't tolerate strife. He said, so you tell me what you want to do. Now, he's the elder. He's the one with the covenant promises and blessing. But again, this is how spiritual people act. They're givers, not takers. Gracious, not demanders. He said, uh, you take whatever you want and I'll go the other way. So we can put some distance between ourselves and, and get the resources. Well, Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the well-watered land, which was also adjacent to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible said at that time, before the judgment, Sodom and Gomorrah was like the garden of the Lord. It was the garden spot of the area. It was lush. It was green. It was fruitful. It was beautiful. But it was wicked. What happened? The judgment fell on Sodom and Gomorrah, but God delivered Lot. What happened was, in fact, just go to Genesis. I don't want to try to just narrate all of this. Genesis 13. So you'll know I'm not just making this up as I go along. You know. <laughs> Genesis 13, 9. Genesis 13, 9. This is what I just described to you that uh, Abraham said to Lot. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray you, from me. If you take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you depart to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you come into Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. And pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now why would that be in here? Well they lived in tents. And so you could orient the tent. So that when the front flap was open. That's your view. 
So he could have set this tent up any direction, right? right? North, south, east, west. But he set it up. Of course, you know, no TV in those days. (laughs) Or internet, or radio. So when he's just lounging, you know, in his lazy boy, in the tent, what's he looking at? Sodom. Sodom. Is that significant? It is. Because, back up to the 12th chapter. I want to remind you what had happened. 12.1. In the beginning, the Lord had said to Abram, Get you out of your country, and from your kindred, and from your father's house, into a land that I will show you. And verse 2. I will make of you a great nation. I'll bless you, make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. God told Abram to leave what was an idolatrous, wicked place. You remember, in Noah's time, the whole earth had become so wicked that it was just non-stop violence everywhere. Non-stop violence. It grieved the Lord so much, he said he regretted, you know, doing it. And he wiped the whole thing out, except for Noah and his immediate family. People talk about how bad things are, and people say, man, it's the worst it's ever been. Not even close. It was much worse in Noah's time. And places like Sodom, it's not like that. Violence. And the reason I back up to this is because God had delivered them out of that. He commanded them, you leave the idolaters. That includes daddy and mama and them. All your kinfolks, all that previous stuff. See, they came up in Ur of the Chaldees. It was ungodly. It was idols on every street corner and all the the prostitution and all the junk and all the sorcery and all the, you know, junk that goes with it. And the Lord wanted them out of there. And he tells him, you leave this and you go and I'll show you where you're going. And Abram had enough faith to cut ties. This is one of the reasons why he's in the book. He walked away. He left everything and everybody and Lot went with him. So they are separated. Everybody say separated. They are separated from the ungodly, from the idolatry, from the wickedness, from the violence, from the satanic worldliness. But you know, they lost a lot of amenities. (laughs) There are no malls out in the wilderness. There are no, there's no Chinese food. There's no restaurants. There's no Taco Bells. <laughs> Y'all with me or not? <laughs> now you're laughing, but you'll see in a moment, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And so, once Lot got out from under Abram's immediate influence, he did wonderful as long as he was under Abraham's arm. 
Come on, can you see that? Because Abraham is not going back. Somebody say he's not going back. Abraham's not going back to Ur of the Chaldees. He's not going back to what his mom and daddy did. He's not going back to idolatry. He's going forward with God. He's not going back. And as long as Lot was with him, he's making progress too. And getting richer by the week. He's free. He's getting closer to God. He's learning about faith and walking by faith. His, his marriage is good. His family is good. Come on, can you see this? Why? Because of who he's connected to. And what he, he, he came out of that junk. But when he had to make a choice on his own, sooner or later, everybody has to stand on their own two feet spiritually and make a choice about their personal relationship with the Lord. You come to some things where nobody else can help you with it. And when it came to him being willing to sacrifice, to hold on to the spiritual things that he had, he wouldn't do it. And I know from reading other scriptures, his wife was a part of this. You read any scriptures about Lot's wife? What is she famous for? Looking back. Back to what? At that point, it was Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the world. Why did they want to be looking at Sodom and Gomorrah? And why would she want to go back? She loves some things. It was a beautiful place. It was a big city. Had all the amenities. Country club. New malls. Five-star dining. Come here, listen to me or not. Places that did laundry and delivered. Cleaning services. You're laughing. But see, the devil is counting on this, that you're unwilling to turn loose of any of that so that you keep yourself connected to the ungodliness. Yeah, it's ungodliness all around, but you can be in it, but not really participate, and you cross the lines. The story's told about a little boy who kept falling out of bed during the night when he's trying to sleep. And his mama came one time and said, son, what's happening? Why do you, why you keep falling out of bed? He said, I guessed I stayed too close to where I got in at. <laughs> <laughs> How many know we don't need to stay too close to where we got in at to our BC days? I mean, we want to get in Christ and not just stay on the edge of the bed. We want to go all the way, is that right, into the middle of the bed so that if we roll a little bit, we're still okay. We're still in the bed. (laughs) We move a little bit, we're still in the bed. (laughs) They pitched their tent toward Sodom and Gomorrah. You read just a few verses later, and guess what? They're in. That's how it starts, right? You're looking at it. You're a little closer. Is that right? We're, you know, we don't agree with all that, but it is entertaining. And they heard the partying, and they, they saw the stuff, and, and they smelled the barbecue. We don't have barbecue like that out here. 
in the wilderness. Next thing you know, they are in Sodom. They live in Sodom. They have a Sodom address. Who does? Abraham's nephew, who has spent decades with the most spiritual man on the planet, has moved lock, stock, and barrel into the heart of the most wicked city on earth. What what does that mean? The stuff you see and hear every day out your window and down the street and going to work, you should not see. You should not hear. It was so bad that the Lord sent angels to destroy the place. But out of mercy and love for his covenant friend Abraham, he spared Lot. Wanted to spare the whole family. But a lot of them wouldn't listen to him. And at the last minute, they still weren't moving fast enough. The angels got a hold of him. Him and his wife and his two girls and took them. They had to literally take them out. They're so attached to Sodom. Don't love the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. When the angels had come to visit, you remember what happened? Lot came by and said, hi, how y'all doing? They said, great, we're just visiting. And he said, well, come, uh, come to the house, stay with me tonight. And they said, no, we're just going to camp out here in the city square. He said, no, nah, you don't want to do that. He said, uh, come on home to me. They said, no, we're just going to stay out here. He said, listen to me. You do not want to stay out here. But what's that telling you? This is a, it's a bad place. Evil place. I don't care how beautiful the mall is. It don't justify this. And so he finally talked them into it. And as soon as it got dark, all the men of the town ganged up around the house and beat on the door and screamed and demanded that he bring the men out so they could rape them. Now why am I talking about all this? What's the problem? You and I got no business being in the middle of that. I don't care what kind of food they got. Is that right? I don't care what kind of delivery services they've got. We got no business being in the middle of that. I I mean, uh, Lot went out the door and, and they were about to kill him. The angels had to reach out, grab him, get him back in the house and supernaturally lock the door, supernaturally smite all of them so that they couldn't see just to keep them from killing them right then. That's how wicked they were. Does this apply to what we've been talking about? Come out from among them and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing and I'll receive you. In closing, go back to 2 Peter, that second chapter. 2 Peter 2 and 7. There's a lot of junk going on right now, isn't there? In this world. 
It's not our job to judge everybody. It's not our job to try to tell everybody how they're supposed to live. What's our job? Don't be conformed. Right? Don't be conformed to it. Don't take a place in the middle of it. Why? Because you get desensitized to it. You start not noticing things that really used to bother you. You don't notice them so much anymore. That means you're not in good shape spiritually. It said he, when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, he delivered just Lot. Lot was still a righteous man living in the middle of this stuff. It didn't say how good his wife was doing or his girls. We can see from later stuff, not good. He was vexed with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked. Keep reading. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. I mean, this is just chewing on him, living here. The language he's hearing, the violence he's seeing, all the evil stuff, it is vexing. Everybody say vexing. It's, it's vexing his righteous soul. Tell me the obvious question. Why are you staying there? Right? Why are you staying there? Why are you yoked together with these wicked people? Why are you living with them? Why are you doing business? Why are you doing all this stuff? Do you have to be there? Keep reading. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise governments. He's describing the same ungodly, wicked. You know the story. As they were outside the city when judgment fell, it sounds almost like a meteor shower hit a very localized place. And I mean, it scorched the ground. It left nothing. An example of how God sees that. And he warned them, the angel warned them, don't look back. Everybody say, don't look back. Don't look back. Come on, say it again, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. What'd she do? This was not just a, a glance. What's going on here? Part of her is still there. She likes it. She loves the ungodly world. And she was frozen in stone and went nowhere else. That's the extent of her journey. Next thing you know, he and his daughters are hiding in a cave. It's terrible. He was completely destroyed. So were they. Everything God had given them lost. What should he have done? Help me out. What should he have done? Do you see, it all came back to that bad decision. Choosing to separate from the ones God had joined him to, the strong spiritual influence and environment, there's safety in that. And most people are not as strong as they think they are. You get them out from under that, and they're too easily influenced by evil and, and the wickedness. 
You need to go where the Lord sends you and you need to stay where you're stationed. There's protection there. There's keeping power. Read verse 18, 2 Peter 2.18. I'm trying to close. It says, uh, when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. He's talking about people who, after you're born again, will come and try to tell you that wrong things are okay. It's okay. We're under grace. It's okay to do this. It's okay. Let me tell you what's not okay. Violating your conscience. That is the big thing. Keep reading. While they promise them liberty, they say, let's get free. We can still party. We can still do drugs. We can still get drunk. You know, the flesh is the flesh. We we can have an affair on the side. I mean, it's just the body. We, you know, we can tell a little, a little white lie. No. Of whom a man is overcome, the same is brought in bondage. He's talking to believers. After they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Is this ungodly, devil-influenced world, is it nasty? Is it polluted? Is it corrupt? Yes, it is. And thank God we've been delivered. I said we've been delivered and cleaned up by the blood of the Lamb and by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. He said if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. B.C., you didn't know any better. And there was a certain amount of mercy and grace. But you get back into what you were delivered from. It can and will destroy you. It can and will destroy you. He said the latter ends worse with them than the beginning. Verse 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Than after they've known it. To turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Say it out loud. Don't go back. Don't go back. Say it out loud. Don't go back. Tell your neighbor, don't go back. Don't don't go back. See, once God got Abraham and Lot out of Ur, out of all that junk, they should never have gone back. Abraham wasn't going back. He wouldn't go back. Lot gets close to it. Next thing you know, him and his whole family is right in the middle of it. It happened to them According to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit again. Somebody said, that's disgusting. He intended for you to feel that way. The Spirit of God inspired this. That is a picture of what happened to Lot and his wife and his family. That's a picture of what happens to believers who've been saved and cleaned and washed by the blood who then later go back into the same habits and sins and bondage and junk that God delivered us from. Come on, say it out loud again. Don't go back. back. 
Don't go back. He went on to say, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's where the pig was. Before the pig got washed up and cleaned up for the Blue Ribbon Fair. Even, even had some uh, scented shampoo. <laughs> but even a Blue Ribbon Pig without the right influences will go straight back to the nasty, disgusting muck and mire. You know what the pig is? That's your flesh. That's my flesh. Unless we control ourselves. And don't, don't discount the enemy. He is a, he's a persistent cuss. What do I mean? The same thing that you used to be in bondage to even before you got saved. He will come to tempt you to get back into it 30 years later. 40 years later. 50, the same junk that you were supernaturally, even spectacularly delivered from. He will come. He'll try to sow a seed. He'll try to water it for five years. He'll try to get you. You're not going to do it, but just pitch your tent towards it. You're not going to go there. You're not going to do it. Yeah, but that's how it starts. One step, then another, then another, then another. Say it again. Don't go back. Don't look back. Don't go back. If you never look back, you won't go back. But if you look back, I mean, understand, if you're looking back, you're already headed that way. Before you ever take a step, you're already leaning that way. Your mind's there. You're already going that way. Don't look back. Don't go back. Why? Because you have been redeemed. You have been washed. Woo. A lot cleaner than that pig. You've been washed by the blood of the lamb. You've been made clean. 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 And you are now the temple of the holy and living God. Hallelujah. The junk in this world, it's only going to last for that much longer. We got better promises. We got a greater future. We don't have to stoop and get back into this filth. We got, we're going somewhere else. Don't look back. Look where you're going. Set your heart and your mind on things above. Can you say amen? We're, we're going forward. We're going up. And we're soon out of here. I have no attachment. I have no love for the filth of this world. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.